listening to Abiding Hope Church's podcast of our weekly sermons. For more information about our church, please visit abidinghope.org. The centering text for today is from the Gospel of Matthew, the fourth chapter. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on him. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank you, Karen. So through Lent, uh, on the weekends, we've been focusing on the Lord's Prayer. And we've been uh, working through one phrase at a time, one little line at a time. And, And this weekend, we're down to lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Those are really two statements going on at the same time. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I'm going to start with the evil part first, because uh, evil is a very complicated theological concept. And I think most people misunderstand what it is, or we apply it to too many things, right? We as humans don't like to suffer. We don't like that we die. We don't like that we make mistakes. But those are all part of our human condition. It's just part of life. We're all going to have pain at some time. We're all going to die, and we mess up. We make mistakes. But none of those things within themselves are evil. It's just a part of life. Pain is necessary. If I put my hand on a hot stove, I'm getting some good information through the pain, right? The information is, get your hand off the stove, um, and so pain is, is just that. It's just information. Whether it's physical pain, whether it's emotional pain, psychological pain, it's information for us. But we don't like it. And often we'll call that pain or suffering evil. Death, we do the same thing. It hurts us when loved ones die. And, and maybe we want to say that, that dying is evil, but the reality is without death, we can't have new life. Right? Without death, we can't have new life. A fire will rage in the mountains, will, will cover acres and, and annihilate the trees and everything that's there, 
And, and we might think, well, that fire is evil, but that fire is necessary. Because in a short time after that fire, what ends up happening? New life perks up. And what we learn is from the fire, more nutrients were put into the soil so life can thrive. Uh, sometimes that has to happen. Natural disasters are not evil. It's just a part of the earth. Earthquakes, um, uh, hurricanes. It's, I think the earth is a living organism. Don't you? Don't you think the earth is alive? It's breathing. It's moving. Uh, and, and, and parts of nature, aspects of nature are not evil. It's just life. It's what happens in life. And God promises to be with us through all of these things. So what is evil? Evil is when we actively work against what God is trying to do in the world. It's when we, we take God's vision and God's direction and we distort it, we manipulate it, we change it, we block it, we get in the way of it. For instance, right now in, in Haiti, gangs have taken over that country. People are not free. They're not free to go to school. They're not free to go to work. Gasoline costs over $40 a gallon. Um, women are being raped. People are being kidnapped and held for ransom. It's horrible. It's evil. It's evil. When people, human beings, don't have the opportunity to be fully actualized, to live into the, the hum humanity that God created them to live into, to grow their gifts, to use their, their talents and their abilities to, to care for and, and help others, it's evil. And we can all think about times in, in our history where evil has happened. I, dare I call the war in Ukraine evil, right? And, and Martin Luther said that when uh, evil attacks us, we are to pray to God. But when evil attacks our neighbor, we're to take a stand. When we see evil happening to our neighbors, we bear a responsibility to speak out. We bear a responsibility to step in. When we see injustice happening in our streets and in our community, where people are being oppressed because of their gender or their sexuality or their, the, the color of their skin, we bear a responsibility to take a stand, to speak out, and to act so that people can be set free from evil. When we pray, deliver us from evil, we're asking God to help us to see evil, to be aware of it, to know when it's there, but also not just for ourselves, but we, we're to, to be aware of when evil is being done on our behalf. Sometimes governments do things that are evil, that are injurious to, to other nations or to other people, and they do it on our behalf. And we need to be aware of that. And we are called to step up, to speak out, to take a stand, so that we can end whatever evil is taking place in the world. Jesus experienced evil. Jesus was, he came into this world and he loved all. And he was taken and he was beaten and he, he was humiliated and he was nailed to a cross. I don't know why we call that Good Friday. We ought to call it Evil Friday, right? Because it was evil. The source of all life was, was being humiliated and killed unjustly. But the reason we call it Good Friday is because that wasn't the end of the story. 
that God was there in that moment. Even when Jesus was crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Isn't that the human cry? Don't all of us at some time cry out to God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you brought me into this place? But what Jesus was doing in that moment, he was quoting David. Read Psalm 22 sometime. That's David's psalm. And David cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When Saul was trying to have him killed. And I believe that Jesus made that cry on all of our behalf. But he also did it to show us that God was indeed there in that dark moment. And when God raised Jesus from the dead, he showed us that love and life win. So let's talk about lead us not into temptation. I have a hard time with this one. Because it kind of sounds like God takes us into places of temptation, right? If we're asking God, don't lead us into places of temptation, then it kind of implies God does that. I don't think God brings us into places of temptation. I think it happens automatically. It's just life. Every single day, we're tempted. We're tested. We experience trials. And the word, the Greek word for temptation also can be translated as trial or test. And so let's take a look at, 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 at how Jesus was tempted. He had gotten baptized and he went out into the wilderness where he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and he was famished. And that's when the tempter showed up in his weakened state while Jesus was in a weakened state. And what did he ask him to do? He said, well, you know, you're hungry. You have all these gifts and abilities. You can feed multitudes. You can walk on water. There's nothing you can't do. Just turn a few of those stones into loaves of bread and eat. What would be wrong with that? Well, what's wrong with it is Jesus wasn't sent into this world to use his gifts and abilities for himself. He wasn't sent here to make himself rich and famous and powerful and to do whatever he wanted. The gifts he had... The abilities he had were to be poured out for the sake of the world. And so the tempter is trying to get him off target, right? To get him to, to shift his identity and his purpose for why he's here to make it only about him. And Jesus says to the tempter, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. It's not bread that sustains us. It's God who sustains us. And I'm not here to serve bread. I'm not here even to serve my own wants and desires. I'm here to serve God. And then the second temptation, the tempter takes Jesus up to the pinnacle of the temple, the very top of the temple. And you say, well, why? What, what's the big deal about this? And, and he tells the tempter, says, jump down, jump down. You know, the angels will catch you. They'll swoop in and they'll catch you and you'll land safely on the ground. Well, the temple... And Jerusalem were the busiest, most populated places in Palestine. It's like, think of New York City or, or, or Sears Tower in Chicago. And, and that's where the tempter takes him because he knows that if this guy in a robe jumps off the top of the temple, and angels swoop in and they catch him, and they bring him safely to the ground, how will the people react? They'll go crazy. They would, they would make Jesus king right away. He would be the most popular person in all of Palestine, if not possibly the world. 
Again, use your abilities. Use your gifts for you. The first one was to meet your own needs, to feed yourself. Now it's to be popular, to, be, to have notoriety, to be known. Jesus says, don't put the Lord your God to the test. We don't get to test God. That's not who we are or what we're about. And then the third temptation, he says, the tempter says to Jesus, bow down and worship me, and I'll give you all this. I'll give you everything. Now, the irony is, everything exists through the Christ. Everything belongs to the Christ anyway, right? But what the tempter is saying is, I'll make you powerful. You work with me, and I'll make you powerful. You sell your soul to me, and I'll make you powerful. And Jesus at this point just says, away with you, Sir Thomas. Away with you, accuser. Away with you, opponent. I have no time for you. I'm not here to meet my own needs. I'm not here to be famous or to have popularity. I'm not here for power. I'm here to reveal to the world that love and life win. Well, guess what? That's why we're here too. We're here for the same reason that Jesus is, to pour out ourselves for the sake of the world. And every single day we're tempted. We are tested. We encounter trials where we look at our own gifts, we look at our wealth, we look at, at our abilities, we look at our educations, and we get to ask the question, am I going to use this simply for me? Or am I going to use this for the sake of the world? What's it going to be? It's very easy for us to get distracted by the temptations, to forget who we are. We're children of God. We were sent into this world to be God's gifts to the world, to pour ourselves out so that everyone might have life. And so when we pray, lead us not into temptation, I think a better translation there is save us from the time of trial. Save us from those moments when we're tempted to be different than who you've created us to be. Be with us in those moments where we're, we're acting out of fear or out of our woundedness to use our wealth or our abilities only for ourselves. Help us to maintain a focus on you and what you've called us to be in this world. Because if we all live selfishly, we see everyone as an enemy. If we think we're the center of attention and the center of the universe, we see everyone as a threat. It's only when we can recognize our kinship as children of God, we're part of the same family, part of God's family, that we're able to see each person as a blessing, each person as precious, each life as infinitely valuable, which then inspires us and motivates us to live like Christ, to pour ourselves out. My prayer for you as you Pray this Lord's Prayer today. And by the way, uh, Pastor Julie will explain the Lord's Prayer we're going to use uh, today. It's, it's um, really, pay attention to the words. I love this prayer. I love this prayer. And it, it, it's powerful. But as we, as we pray these prayers, be thinking about how you're inviting God to help you be aware of evil. How God is calling you to take a stand against the evil of this world. To, to speak out when oppression is, 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 is reigning and visible.
but also how God is calling us to be willing to be challenged as we go through. Think about this. I don't think Jesus could have, withstand the, could have withstood the crucifixion where he didn't wound back, he didn't attack back, had he not gone through those temptations at the beginning. It wasn't fun. It wasn't easy. But it strengthened him. The strongest people in faith that I know are people who've been to hell and back. The strongest people in faith that I know are people who have been to hell and back. And so our prayer is not to keep us, keep bad things from happening to us. That's not what we're praying. We're praying, help us in those moments when we're scared, when we're hurting, when we're struggling. Help us to stay faithful to you. Help us to be strong, but not just for ourselves. May others see that love and life win through how we deal with our struggles, through how we walk through pain, how we walk through suffering. The centurion at the foot of the cross after Jesus died said, truly that one is a child of God, son of God. May people see us in moments of crisis and challenge and difficulty and say, Surely this person is a child of God. God loves each of you, and I do too. Amen.